Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Called Centered Church. Now, we did a four week series on being a centered church back in September. So, if you weren't here for that or if you want a refresher on that, just go to our YouTube channel and you can watch all four of those messages. And this is picking up from that series. Uh, last week, Pastor Andre Clark came and shared with us. Shepherd Clark, wasn't he great? It was awesome. If you missed that, that's also on our YouTube channel. He had the ice cream on stage. It was really, really great. And he brought in part five of our centered church series. We did Center Church in September, then did a series on the Bible in October, a series on Elijah in November. And we just wanted to pick up this concept again for two weeks. So Shep did last week, and then this week I'm going to be speaking to you again about what it means for us to be a church that keeps Jesus at the center and is centered around Jesus. And then for those of you who are really into the season and excited for uh, Christmas and all that, we will be starting a Christmas series next week. So for those of you, I just can't wait for a Christmas series. It's coming. It's coming, all right? We can be patient. We'll get there next week. And uh, that'll be exciting and fun as well. But I want to spend some more time, and I'm going to continue to do this over the course of news story, as long as I feel like God's leading in this direction, of what it means for us to be in a church that is centered around Jesus, that keeps Jesus at the center, and considers where are we in our lives in relation to who Christ has called us to be, and how are we looking more and more like Jesus as individuals, but also collectively as a church. And that's why I actually asked Joy to start by reading that passage today in Matthew chapter 13. If you want to follow along in the scriptures, we're going to be in Matthew today. That's the first book in the New Testament. And Matthew wrote this record, this biography of the life and ministry of Jesus. And we're going to be in Matthew 13 today as we pick up this concept. But Joy was reading that parable this morning in Matthew 13 verses 3 through 8, 3 through 9. And in that parable, Jesus is talking about how grain was thrown, and then different types of soil responded in different ways to the grain. And what we're going to find and discover today is these different types of soil, they're, they're really representative or reflection of us as people and how we respond to the message of Jesus. And in Jesus' time period, he was addressing something to those people as well, but it's a living message that's for us today. And so in light of that parable that Joy shared with us, you know, some, some of the grain fell and, and it was, the birds took it away. Some was, grew a little bit and then the sun scorched it and some of it was choked out by thorns. And then some of the grain respond, got in some good soil and it began to grow and produced a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. And if that's a metaphor and a picture for how we interact and how we respond to Jesus, I just want to start by asking you this question today. If you're taking notes either online or in person here, just ask ask this question, how are we responding to Jesus? That's a question for us to ask collectively. I want you to ask with your closest friends and family members, but it's also a question that you can ask individually. You could say, how am I responding to Jesus? When Jesus is maybe speaking into your life, or maybe there's something about Jesus that seems uh, captivating or appealing to you, how are you responding to Jesus? How am I responding to Jesus? How are we responding to Jesus? Because I imagine in a room of this size, every single one of us is coming to this faith conversation with a different background, with different life experiences, with, with some different things to consider and to weigh and to think about. But this question is such a critical question. Because if Jesus is who he says he was, 
If Jesus really did come back from the grave 2,000 years ago as we believe, then there's something very important about who he is and how we respond to him matters. That's why Jesus said this in the passage that Joy read in verse 9. He said, he who has ears, let him hear. You know, he's not saying, you know, only people have, no, this is more of a spiritual concept of, are we going to have the humility? Well, I have the humility to respond and to answer the call or to answer whatever it is that Jesus is calling us to or who he is calling us to be. For those of you who've been in church for a number of years now or been in church for quite some time, how many of you remember when you first started following Jesus and you were just like really, really excited at first and you just, you were just like, you know, you were just eating it up. It was Does anybody remember this? Like it was just super exciting at first. You're super passionate and people would say like, oh, I'm on fire for the Lord. Remember that? People say, I'm on fire for the Lord right now. And then you start to live your Christian life or you start to live life a little bit and there's some ups and downs and some backs and forth. But, and you're like, I don't know. But when you first start, you're on fire and you just, you know, I remember when I was in this season, when you're in this season where you're just on fire, you know everything, you know, and you like to tell everybody that you know everything. And you're, you know, you're there to tell, I, I know this and you don't know that. And I know, you know, you're, you're just like, I mean, I look back on some of the things I said early on and I'm like, I can't believe I said that to somebody about Jesus. What a bad representation of Jesus. That is not what Jesus wanted me to do in that moment. And some, have you had that before? You're like, man, I, I, now that I know Jesus a little bit better, uh, I don't think that that was the best move in the world. I was so convinced that that was the right thing to do at the time. But I, I don't know, because as you live life, we start to grow and we start to, and there, we're all at different spots of our faith journey. But my prayer today is wherever you find yourself is that you would have ears to hear, that I would have ears to hear and to respond to what Jesus is saying to us in this teaching. Now, before we go more into the teaching in Matthew chapter 13, just to bring everybody up to speed with this idea of being a church, about being a people who have Jesus at the center, I want to put this chart up on the screen that Z Money made for us. If you remember his testimony, he makes dope graphics, if anybody remembers that, but oh, that's what he told us at least. But anyways, I'm just kidding. Zach, you're great. We love you. Uh, but so at this, at this, this is the, this is what the concept we were talking about, how there are some, there's sometimes when we're involved in like a church or a group and there's like a circle around it and you're either in or you're out and everybody looks the same and acts the same and thinks the same. And you're like, I don't know if I really fit, but then there's also groups where it's like, yeah, we talk about Jesus, but there's not really a circle. It's more fuzzy and we don't really know what's going on here. And we're kind of confused, but uh, maybe we can get together and complain a little bit. And so we talked about bounded models and fuzzy models, and we looked at this alternative model and said, no, our goal is to be is centered, that we would put the cross, that we would put Jesus at the center, and you'll see that there are different people on this graph, and some of them graphic, and some of them are moving towards the cross, and some of them are moving away from the cross, and our goal is that every person's arrow would start to move towards the cross and becoming more and more like Jesus. Everybody can have an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Everybody can be involved. Everybody can get connected. But our hope is that we would move towards the cross and become like Jesus and not be moving away from the cross. And I bet everyone in here before you've had those moments before you're like, yeah, I think I'm moving towards the cross right now. And some of us, we've had those moments before where we're like, I think I'm moving away from the cross right now. And we hope that as a church, we can help one another move towards the cross and become more and more like Jesus, that we would become people who look like the king that we serve, Jesus. 
So that's what this means to be a centered church. Sometimes it means we have encouraging conversations. Sometimes it means we have difficult conversations with people. But overall, we are working together to look like Jesus. And how, are, how we respond to Jesus is determining, are we becoming more like him or are we moving away from what he desires for our lives? And that's why, that's why I thought this parable would be helpful for us today. Jesus does something really interesting with this parable in Matthew 13 that he does not do with the majority of his parables. He actually breaks this parable down and explains it. A lot of times with his parables, he gives a parable and then leaves it there for his listeners or now readers to contemplate. But this one, he breaks it down. He gives an explanation for it. And I would hope that every one of us would be self-reflective today. And as we look at the different types of soil that Jesus explains and breaks down in this parable, that all of us would be willing to say, I, I think I'm there right now, or I've been there before, or maybe I'm that time. We would all just have open hearts and minds to receive whatever it is that Christ wants to say to us today by the power of his Holy Spirit. And if we've been moving away from the cross, that we would be willing to say, hey, I'm going to turn and start moving towards the cross and becoming more like Christ. So in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus starts breaking this down. And the first type of person that Jesus describes in this parable, I am going to label as the confused person the confused person. You, you've, you've probably, once again, experienced this before. Maybe you've heard something about Jesus. Maybe you first heard about Jesus, and it was a little bit confusing to you. Like it, it didn't make a lot of sense. There were some things that just weren't adding up, or there were some things that were just a little bit difficult for you to understand, or, or you just really weren't sure what was going on. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again and again and again and again. We are now living in a time where Christianity is not necessarily an assumed belief system. And in many ways, that can be troubling, but in many ways, that can also be a good thing because now we can give a clear picture of who Jesus is. But we sometimes just start saying things in church or just start, you know, we have our own subculture within the church. And when other people want to come be involved in church, they don't know what we're talking about. That's why we've done series here like church chat or, or why we sometimes talk the way we do of like, hey, this person wrote this book. And we try to give some context and background because... We don't always know what's going on. Not everybody always knows what's going on. And so we want to make sure that we're making Jesus as clear as possible. I remember a number of years ago, I had a friend who posted uh, this quote on social media from the book of Ephesians. And he posted this quote about Ephesians. And then he said, that Ephesians guy was a pretty cool guy. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's, it's funny, but also it's a helpful reminder to us that, okay, not everybody knows what exactly is Ephesians. Well, Ephesians was this letter that a guy named Paul wrote to a church at a place called Ephesus, and that's why it's called Ephesians. Ephesians was not a person, but not everybody knows that. And we have to remember that when we're having conversations because there are those who will come along who want to know about Jesus, who want to follow Jesus, but sometimes we, have, we make things a little bit complicated for people. And Jesus said that those people who come along and hear the message and they do not understand, look at what will happen. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom grain was sown beside the road. 
And the birds came and took it. So, so this is the person who they hear it, but they, they, they don't understand it. And then the, he says, the evil one comes and snatches them away. The next, two, the next two types of grain that we'll address in a moment are, I think, are a little bit more of personal responsibility. This one here, I believe that we as the church have to be more attentive to it. Because I think that there have been far too many people who've been wrestling with faith, wondering about faith, having questions about faith, and they felt like they couldn't ask them or the church didn't walk alongside of them. And so as Jesus says in this parable, they didn't understand, they became confused, and the enemy snatched them away. And I believe that as the church, we have a responsibility to be on the lookout for those who might be confused, to be on the lookout for those who don't understand, to be on the lookout for those who might be struggling, to be, to be looking for those who are processing and thinking through and wrestling with things. And we should be finding those people and saying, hey, what questions do you have? How can we serve? How can we walk alongside of you? How can we be present in your life as Christ has been present in ours? We have a responsibility because Jesus says that those who are confused don't understand the enemy will snatch them away. And I wonder how many people, Peter says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. I wonder how many people the enemy has snatched away that if we as the church would step up and say, we're going to take care of them. We're going to walk alongside of them. The enemy wouldn't have got a hold in their life and we'd be still walking with them and growing closer to Jesus with them. We as the church have a responsibility. Now, I know what some people might be saying here or you might be thinking, well, you know, Scott, following Jesus, it's not easy. And I agree with you, but we do need to define what we mean by not easy. Because sometimes I think when we say, you know, following Jesus is not easy, that's a subliminal way of saying, I just want to be, I just want to sound super spiritual all the time and make following Jesus sound really complex and use big words because it makes me feel good, but it's really just confusing other people. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that in the church, we should be having uh, meaningful, intellectual, theological conversations. We need to be having those. And there are even some difficult topics we're going to be looking at next year. We need to be having those conversations. But we shouldn't be having those conversations to such an extent that people become confused about following Jesus. And they think it's not easy because we're sitting around, well, you know, I was reading this book on pneumatology recently, and I was really interested to see how that affected soteriology. And then, you know, it really got me thinking about my eschatology. And, and, and then, you know, with the, with the sovereignty of the Lord. And, and then we start talking like this, and, and people are like, you know what, that's just really confusing. And I, I don't know what you're talking about right now. I'm going to go have to find something else. But, and I know that was a bit of an exaggeration, but we do that, and, and we should be able to talk about those things, but they shouldn't become a hindrance for people responding to and following Jesus. So I would say, yes, following Jesus is not easy, but it shouldn't be, because, it shouldn't be uneasy because it's complex. Following Jesus is not easy because sometimes the things that we're called to do as Christ followers are things that we don't want to do. That's why it's not easy. Let me give you an example of this. I've been reading through 1 John in this little epistle, 1 John. John writes this in 1 John verses two, verses nine, chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. He said, The one who says he is in the light 
but still hates his fellow Christian is still in the darkness. The one who loves his fellow Christian resides in the light, and there is no stumbling in him. But the one who hates his fellow Christian is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That's not easy. There are some people who tick us off, who irritate us. How many of you have been upset with another Christian before? Anybody? Anybody can put your hands up? Like they're just getting under your skin. And you're like, I know God says I should forgive. I know Jesus said we should forgive seven times seven, but, but I don't know if I can forgive them. In fact, I have some bitterness. I might have some hate. They've been really bothering me. I'm going to block their number. I'm going to tell everybody this person's a horrible person because I can't stand them. Anybody been there? Or am I just the only wicked person in here this morning? Like, I, I've, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. I just, I, I just can't. Because loving other people is difficult. That expectation in 1 John, it's not complicated in the sense of it being unclear. It's super clear, but it's not easy. Following Jesus, the invitation to follow him is clear. But it's not always easy. Looking like Jesus, loving like Jesus, serving like Jesus, listening like Jesus, the one I always go to in the book of James, be quick to listen and slow to speak, that is not easy. In a world that's always trying to talk over one another, quick to listen, slow to speak. Following Jesus, it's not always easy, but it's clear. He says, follow me. Who in your life do you know that maybe they've been a little bit confused and you're saying, you know what? I've been avoiding this, but, but I need to invest here. I want to walk alongside of this person. Or maybe you're here this morning and you have been, and you're, you're want, you want to wrestle with faith, but you're afraid to ask a question. Or, or maybe you asked a question and somebody said something to you that made you not want to ask anymore. If that's you this morning, I hope that you would be able to find a home here at New Story Church. And I hope that this would be a place where you can come and grow alongside of others and that we'd be able to walk with you through your journey. But I, I have an application question here. This is for those of us specifically, if you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm involved in church, I want to grow more like Jesus. Uh, here, here's the question. How are you helping others know Jesus? How are you helping others know Jesus? What are you doing to help others know and walk alongside of Jesus? So that's the first one, the confused person. The second one is the shallow person who Jesus addresses here. Now, when I say shallow, I don't mean shallow in the sense of like they're a scummy person or they're sketchy. I mean more so shallow that their faith was not necessarily built or constructed in such a way that when things got difficult, they didn't really know what to do. And once again, I'm sure all of us have been here before too. Because sometimes the way in which we received Jesus was somebody just wanted to tell us about all of the benefits of knowing Jesus without saying, hey, but first you just got to know Jesus. And when it comes to faith, we're just, oh man, I said I'd have all these good things and all these wonderful things and everything would be awesome. But Jesus never said that. Jesus actually said, in this world you will face trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Sometimes life is difficult, it's complicated, it's messy, it's hurtful, it's painful, unexpected things happen. And what do we do in those moments? How do we respond? Who are we going to be? 
Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. The one on whom grain was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the world, um, because of the word, immediately he falls away. Jesus says this is a person when affliction, difficulty, persecution arises because of being in this sinful world or being in a broken world. This person falls away. And some of you, you've been here before. Some of you might even be here right now. And once again, I hope that this would be a place where people can, can listen and walk with you in that and through that. But this is one of those things too where if somebody made you think that, oh, following Jesus, it's just all going to be good all the time. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but that's not how it is. We're still in a fallen world and things get difficult. I love this quote from New Testament scholar Scott McKnight. He says, we have this illusion that when the moment of crisis comes, we'll quickly become men and women of deep faith and godly wisdom. No, we won't. We'll fall to the level of our training. When Jesus was challenged in the wilderness, Jesus responded by quoting Bible verses he has memorized as a child. When his life dripped from his hands and poured from his side as he died on the cross, he quoted scriptures and prayed prayers. He has known all of his life. Jesus had been drilling, practicing for the moment when things would go wrong. Life's hard sometimes. It's difficult. I'm not just saying flip a switch, it's all going to get better. Sometimes it takes some time. It takes some healing. It takes talking to others. It takes prayer. It takes seeking Jesus and knowing that somehow he's with you in the midst of it all. That somehow there's a joy and a peace available at work with all that. It's somehow he can work through that horrible circumstance that he himself wishes didn't happen. Jesus himself. And this is, this is where I get when people are like, oh, if you follow Jesus, you'll never have any problems. It's all going to be good. You're going to be a millionaire or whatever. I, this, is, this is where I get a little bit troubled with that. You're basically saying that people deserve to have a better life or will have a better life than Jesus himself had. I mean, if you think about Jesus, one of his closest friends betrayed him. Another one of his closest friends denied that he even knew him. Jesus went to the cross alone with nobody around him, was beaten and rejected and mocked publicly and took on, took on the sin of humanity. This is the life of Jesus. Jesus experienced tragedy throughout his life. This isn't, this isn't right in the scriptures, but most historians and scholars believe that Jesus probably lost his earthly father, Joseph, at a young age. Because when we get to the cross, we see that Joseph isn't there. Mary's there. His buddy John's there, but, but, but Joseph isn't there. So Jesus had went through tragedy and loss. He lost his friend Lazarus, and he's weeping alongside Mary and Martha. Jesus has experienced this. He's went through this. So at least when you're going through this, you know you have a Savior who's went through this as well, who's experienced this heartbreak as well, and he's given us this beautiful promise that one day in the future, all things will be made right. But it is in this time, things will get difficult, but he is with us through it. And so I would hope that we would continue to become people who spend time in his word, who spend time in prayer, who are preparing and saying, hey, things aren't always going to be easy, but we know God is with us. 
And we know that God has given us others to walk in this with us as we move towards the cross. The third person that Jesus talks about is the divided person. The divided person. This is the person that maybe you've been following Jesus for a while. We're always like really worried about the divided person at the beginning. You know, you know, you don't be divided, don't be divided. You want to be fully committed to Jesus. You want to be fully committed to Jesus. You want to be fully committed to Jesus. We always get really worried about when they first start following Jesus. But I've noticed that the divided heart actually is something that starts to develop after we've been walking with Jesus for quite some time. Because we start to become enticed by other things or other ideas or other concepts. And so our heart starts to become divided. And at first, we, we, we go crazy with people. Be committed, be committed, be committed, be committed, be committed, be committed, be committed. I was once a part of a ministry where when people would make decisions for Christ, you know, raise decisions, come forward, we would have four people talk to them to make sure they knew what they were doing when they made a decision. We were just like, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? It's almost like this decision paranoia. Do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? It's like, hey, just let them live life and see if they want to follow Jesus. Like, <laughs> but and we, can, we can walk with them through that. But we're so worried about this at the beginning, but this is oftentimes something that happens after a while. Our hearts start to become divided. We start to wonder, I, I, I don't know, there's this and there's that and there's that distraction. And Jesus addresses the divided heart in this way in Matthew 13, verse 22. He says, and the one whom the grain was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So this is the person who's like, ah, you know, my, my heart's becoming divided. I want to follow God. But, you know, maybe, maybe as Jesus is addressing here, there's, there's wealth, there's riches, there's fame, there's this, and I could go after that. And, and this could be it, or, or it's just the worries of this world. And I'm more concerned about this over here than just giving it to God and trusting in him. And once again, if you've been in this place, I'm not saying, you know, shame on you. You know, may you be, no, I'm saying we've all been here before. We want to be aware and we want to say, hey, if this has been pulling us away from Jesus, we're going to start moving towards Jesus together. And, and we become divided. And Jesus warns about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 as well, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Jesus is not saying here, oh, Wealth is a bad thing. He's saying, no, if you start to serve wealth as opposed to serving God, or if you start to, you know, be divided in your heart, th that's when it starts to get in, ah, you know, start to compromise and start to be I'm more concerned about me than I am because the way of Jesus is about thinking about others first. But there's always these enticements and these things that are pulling at our heart. And maybe it's not even wealth. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's an identity of sorts that you've been chasing. Maybe it's just a, a label in the, in the career that you're in. If I could just get that, then I would have it all. I don't know what it is, but where have you been? God's been speaking and trying to just let you find, allow you to find a place where you can be content in him and, and, and who he is. But your heart's wrestling against you to find that elsewhere. Ask this question, what could be causing a divided heart in my life? And if you're here and you're saying, I don't have a divided heart right now, hallelujah, praise God. Ask yourself, where do I see warning signs of places that could cause a divided heart? So we can be vigilant, we can be aware, and we can be moving towards Jesus instead of away from him. Who could be causing a divided heart?
that we had the, uh, the confused person, the shallow person, and the, uh, the divided person. And lastly, Jesus talks about the receptive person. And this is the goal, to be the person who receives what Jesus has to say. And from that, our life produces fruit. Jesus says the divided person is unfruitful. And all those, all those people that Jesus was talking about in the parable are all people, as I said earlier, that he was addressing. The confused person would have been people in his time period who have been like, man, we got the Pharisees, we got the Sadducees, we got this Jesus guy, we got the Essenes, we got all these different groups. What are we supposed to do? We got those who are committed to Caesar. What are we supposed to do? And then the, the, the shallow people were those who were like, oh, God's just going to come and he's going to deliver us from Rome and it's all going to be wonderful. And then didn't really happen that way and things were more difficult than they thought it would be and they hadn't heard from God for 400 years and then you have uh, the divided people who are like yeah you know we want to serve God but we want a little bit of Roman power as well kind of like a Herod almost and so there, there's this is all stuff that Jesus was addressing and isn't it interesting that these are problems that we all still face 2,000 years later these are all still things that we wrestle with and Jesus is saying no we want to be the receptive person the person who, when the, when the word of God is spoken into our lives, when we have an interaction with Jesus, that we respond to him, that our lives are like the soil where the grain can grow. Matthew 13, 23. And the one on whom the grain was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. The life that we have with Christ, when we become good soil, when we respond to the gospel and we start growing like more and more like Jesus, and we're responding to Jesus in such a way that, that you know, the things he's asking us to let go of, we're letting go of. The things he's asking us to do, we start doing. The people he asks us to start serve, we start serving. He says that's a life that produces fruit, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty, because the life of knowing Jesus and interacting with Jesus and being good soil for Jesus, it's not just about, oh, I have Jesus, so I'm going to hold on to him, and it's just me and Jesus thing. No, Jesus is saying when you become good soil, you become a source that produces life so that others may experience life. Amen, church? That's, that's who we can be. We become the people who, since we know the one who is life, abundant life starts bursting forth from us. Jesus illustrates it this way in Matthew chapter 13. He tells another parable a few verses later, verses 31 through 32. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is similar then to all the other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He's saying that the kingdom is like this, it's like this little seed and then it grows into this tree and then the birds come and nest in its branches. Why? Because as we become kingdom people and as we become a kingdom-minded church, we recognize that this faith is not just for us, but it's for others. You know what this looks like today? People coming and nesting in the branches of the kingdom of God and finding shade and rest and comfort. It looks like a church much like this one who we say, hey, you know what? We're going to say yes to God. And we reached out to an elementary school, Holmes Elementary School, and said, hey, we want to sponsor students for Christmas who couldn't afford Christmas gifts. And last year we only sponsored 25. And we said this year, we don't know if we can do it, but we're going to try to sponsor 75. And guess what? As of last week, all students are sponsored. All 75 students at Holmes Elementary School, 75 students 
just a mile and a half from here who didn't have enough resources for Christmas gifts. We as a church said, you know what? As the kingdom, we want to be a source of life. This is the way in which we are the branches of the kingdom where others can come and find rest and hope and peace. And as we invite others to be within this tree of the kingdom that is growing and growing and growing, hopefully they will see, oh my goodness, this is something I want to be a part of as well because it's not only something that brings life to me, but it's then something that gives us life by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring life to others. This is what it means to be receptive soil, not just to hold on to it for me, but to produce a hundredfold and 60 and 30. And by the way, those Christmas gifts are due back next week. I just fit announcements into a message, so I have less announcements later just to help myself out a little bit. Christmas gifts are due back next week. We'll be able to give them to the school. But this is what the kingdom looks like when we become receptive soil. It's not just for me, but it's for others. And we create a space where others can come and experience life. So a couple ending questions for today. Who or what is your source? I know I've asked this question before, but it's just a good question to ask. Who or what is, maybe a better way to say this, who or what is your source of life? Where are you receiving life? Who are you receiving life from? What are you receiving life from? What do you go to when you're like, I just need, you know, what do you go to or who do you go to? Jesus says this in John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying that if we want to have a life of eternal impact, if we want to have a life that has a a kingdom impact, that is a part of his kingdom movement, then we must, above all else, have Jesus as the source of our lives. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. It's temporary. It's fleeting. But within him, as as he is the vine and we are the branches that grow from him, as he is our source above all else, we'll begin to see life bursting forth all over our community, all over our city, all over our neighborhoods, in our families, and in our workplaces. What would it look like if Jesus became your number one source of life above all else? Not social media, not the, not the latest gossip chain, not the, not the uh, whatever the, whatever's going on over here, not the promotion or not this or that. Not to say all those things are, you know, knowing what's going on in the world or talking to people, those aren't all bad things. But I'm just more so saying if that's your source of life, what if Jesus was the one who informed and was the source of your life above all else? Second question to ask, what type of soil are you? You say, what type of soil am I? If you're here today and you're the confused person, on your way out, please stop by our black tables. We have people there who would love to get you connected to church, who, answer, who could answer some questions for you to get you more connected and, and, to, and to, like I said, be people who walk with you or walk alongside of you. If you're here today and you're like, I, I'm, that, I'm that shallow person and I'm, I'm really facing something difficult right now and I don't really know how to grow closer to Christ because this is just complicated, this is tough. Maybe you came with somebody today and you need to continue to share that with them and they can pray for you. Maybe you're in a group and you haven't opened up to your group about that. You can let them know and they can pray with you and walk with you through it. 
You never know what somebody else has been through. Maybe they could help you in this season. Or you could stop by our tables or you could come look for me after the service. We have people who'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you've been divided. You're pulling one way or the other. Make today the day when you say, I'm no longer going to be divided. I'm committed to Christ. And then tell somebody you made that commitment and say, I want you to hold me accountable because I'm committing to him above all else. Not to the worries of this world. I'm committing to him. And maybe you're the good soil. What do you need to do to stay on track? What do we as a church need to do to stay on track? To continue to be a church that says, we are going to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven and move towards Jesus and become like Jesus. It's my goal for you. It's my goal for me. It's my goal for all of us. Is that we would be people who live in our new story and write a new story. And that starts when we are receptive soil who are ready to hear whatever it is that Jesus has to say to us. Whether it's difficult, whether it's easy, whatever it is, that we would take up our cross and follow him and be the presence of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Would you please stand and join us as we continue to worship in this time?